Zixi of Ix, Volume 8, Chapter 23, The Destruction of the Monsters. It was Tuesday when the army of Ix started upon its second march into Noland. With it were the Witch Queen, King Bod, Princess Fluff, and Aunt Rivette. At evening they encamped on the bank of the river, and on Wednesday the army was ferried across, and marched up the side of the mountain that separated them from the valley of Noland. By night they had reached the summit of the mountain, but they did not mount upon the ridge, for fear that they might be seen by the roly rogues. Zixi commanded them all to remain quietly behind the ridge, and they lighted no fires and spoke only in whispers. And although so many thousands of men lay close to the valley of Noland, not a sound came from them to warn the monsters that an enemy was near. Thursday morning dawned bright and pleasant, and as soon as the sun was up, the roly rogues came crowding around the palace kitchen, demanding that old Tollydob hurry the preparation of their soup. This the general did, trembling in spite of his ten feet of stature, for if they were kept waiting, the monsters were liable to prod his flesh with their thorns. But Tollydob did not forget to empty the contents of the silver vial into the soup, as the dog Ruffles had told him to do, and soon it was being ladled out to the roly rogues by Jicky, the four high counsellors, and a dozen other enslaved officers of King Bud. And the dog Ruffles ran through the city, crying to every roly rogue he met, <laughs> Hurry! Get your soup before it's gone! It's especially good this morning! <laughs> so every roly rogue in the valley hurried to the palace kitchen for soup, and there were so many that it was noon before the last was served. While these became so impatient that they abused their slaves in a sad manner. Yet, even while the last were eating, those who had earlier partaken of the soup lay around the palace, sound asleep and snoring loudly. For the contents of the silver vial had the effect of sending all of them to sleep within an hour and rendering them wholly unconscious for a period of ten hours. All through the city the roly rogues lay asleep, and, as they always withdrew their heads and limbs into their bodies while they slumbered, they presented a spectacle of thousands of huge balls lying motionless. When the big kettle was finally empty, and the Lord High General paused to wipe the perspiration from his brow, the last of the roly rogues were rolling over onto their backs from the effects of the potion, Aunt Rivette had been flying over the city since early morning, and although the roly rogues had been too intent upon their breakfast to notice her, the old woman's sharp eyes had watched everything that took place below. Now, when all the monsters had succumbed to the witch potion, Aunt Rivette flew back to the mountain where the army of Ix was hidden and carried the news to the witch queen. Zixi at once ordered her generals to advance, and the entire army quickly mounted the summit of the ridge and ran down the side of the mountain to the gates of the city. The people who saw that something unusual was taking place greeted Bud and Fluff and the Witch Queen with shouts of gladness, 
and even Aunt Rivette, when she flew down among them, was given three hearty cheers. But there was no time for joyous demonstrations, while the streets and the public squares were cluttered with the sleeping bodies of the terrible roly rogues. The army of Ix lost no time in carrying out their queen's instructions, and as soon as they entered the city, they took the long ropes they carried and wound them fast around the round bodies of the monsters, securely fastening their heads and limbs into their forms so that they could not stick them out again. Their enemies being thus rendered helpless, the people renewed their shouts of joy and gratitude and eagerly assisted the soldiers of Ix in rolling all the roly rogues outside the gates and to a wide ledge of the mountain. The Lord High General and all the other councillors threw away their aprons and tools of servitude and dressed themselves back in their official robes. The soldiers of Tollydob's army ran for their swords and pikes, and the women unlocked their doors and trooped into the streets of Knoll for the first time since the descent of the monsters. But the task of liberation was not yet accomplished. All the roly rogues had to be rolled up the side of the mountain to the topmost ridge, and so great was the bulk of their bodies that it took five or six men to roll each one to the mountain top, and even then they were obliged to stop frequently to rest. But as soon as they got a roly rogue to the ridge, they gave it a push and sent it bounding down the other side of the mountain until it fell into the big river flowing swiftly below. During the afternoon, all the roly rogues were thus dumped into the river, where they bobbed up and down in the water, spinning around and bumping against each other, until the current carried them out of sight on their journey to the sea. It was rumored later that they had reached an uninhabited island where they harmed no one except themselves. I'm glad they floated said Zixi as she stood upon the mountain ridge and watched the last of the monsters float out of sight. For if they had sunk, they would have filled up the river, and there were so many of them. It was evening when Noland at last became free from her terrible tyrants, and the citizens illuminated the entire city that they might spend the night in feasting and rejoicing over their freedom. The soldiers of Ix were embraced and made much of, and at all the feasts they were the honored guests, while the people of Nolan pledged them their sincere friendship forever. King Bud took possession of the royal palace again, and Jicky bustled about and prepared a grand banquet for the king's guests, although the old valet grumbled a great deal because his six solemn servants would not assist in waiting upon anyone but himself. The roly rogues had destroyed many things, but the servants of the palace managed to quickly clear away the rubbish and to decorate the banquet hall handsomely. Bud placed the beautiful witch queen upon his right hand and showed her great honor, for he was really very grateful for her assistance in rescuing his country from the invaders. The feasting and dancing lasted far into the night, but when at last the people sought their beds, they knew they might rest peacefully and free from care, for the roly rogues had gone forever. Chapter 24 The Sailorman's Return 
The next day the witch queen returned with her army to the city of Ix, to await the coming of the sailor man with the necktie, and King Bud set about getting his kingdom into running order again. The Lord High Purse Bear dug up his magic purse, and Bud ordered him to pay the shopkeepers full value for everything the Roly Rogues had destroyed. The merchants were thus enabled to make purchases of new stocks of goods, and although all the travellers had for many days kept away from Nolan for fear of the monsters, caravans now flocked in vast numbers to the city of Nole, with rich stores of merchandise to sell, so that soon the entire city looked like a huge bazaar. Bud had ordered a gold piece given to the head of every family, and this did no damage to the ever-filled royal purse, while it meant riches to the poor people who had suffered so much. Princess Fluff had carried her silver chest back to the palace of her brother, and in it lay, carefully folded, the magic cloak. Being now fearful of losing it, she warned Jicky to allow no one to enter the room in which lay the silver chest, except with her full consent, explaining to him the value of the cloak. "'And was it this cloak I wore when I wished for a half-dozen servants?' asked the old valet. "'Yes,' answered Fluff. "'Aunt Rivette bade you to return it to me, and you were so careless of it that nearly all the high councillors used it before I found out again.' "'Then,' said Jiggy, heedless of the reproof, "'Will your highness please use the cock to rid me of these stupid servants?' They are continually at my heels, waiting to serve me, and I am so busy myself serving others that these six men almost drive me distracted. It wouldn't be so bad if they would serve anyone else, but they claim they are my servants alone and refuse to wait upon even His Majesty the King. Sometime I will try to help you, answered Fluff, but I shall not use the cloak again until the miller's son returns from his voyage at sea. So Jicky was forced to wait as impatiently as the others for the sailor-man, and his servants had now become such a burden upon him that he grumbled every time he looked around and saw them standing in a stiff line behind him. Aunt Rivette again took possession of her rooms at the top of the palace, and although Bud, grateful for her courage in saving him and his sister from the Roly Rogues, would gladly have given her handsomer apartments, the old woman preferred to be near the roof, where she could take flight into the air whenever it pleased her to go out. With her big wings and her power to fly as a bird, she was the envy of all the old gossips she had known in the days when she worked as a laundress, and now she would often alight upon the doorstep of some humble friend and tell of the wonderful adventures she had encountered. This never failed to surround her with an admiring circle of listeners, and Aunt Rivette derived far more pleasure from her tattle than from living in a palace with her nephew, the king. The kingdom of Nolan soon took on a semblance of its former prosperity, and the Roly Rogues were only remembered with shudders of repugnance and spoken of in awed whispers. And so the days wore away until late in the autumn, when one morning a mounted soldier from Queen Zixi dashed into Knoll and rode furiously up to the palace gates. "'The sailor-man is found!' he shouted, throwing himself from his horse and bowing low before the little King Bud, who had come out to meet him. "'Good!' remarked Bud. 
The Queen of Ix is even now riding to Her Majesty's city with a large escort surrounding the sailor man, continued the soldier. And he has the necktie? asked Bud eagerly. He is wearing it, Your Majesty, answered the man, but he refuses to give it to anyone but the Princess Fluff. Oh, that's all right, said the king, and re-entering the palace, he ordered Jicky to make preparations to receive the Witch Queen and her retinue. When Zixie came to the city gates, she found General Tollydob in a gorgeous new uniform, waiting to escort her to the palace. The houses were gay with flags and streamers, bands were playing, and on each side of the street along which the Witch Queen rode were lines of soldiers to keep the way clear of the crowding populace. Behind the Queen came the Sailor Man, carefully guarded by Zixie's most trusted soldiers. He looked uneasy at so great a reception, and rode his horse as awkwardly as a sailor might. So the cavalcade came to the palace, which was thronged with couriers and ladies-in-waiting. Zixie and the sailor-man were ushered into the great throne-room, where King Bud, wearing his ermine robe and jeweled crown, sat gravely upon his throne, with Princess Fluff beside him. "'Your Majesty!' "'began the witch-queen, bowing prettily. "'I have brought you the sailor-man at last. "'He has just returned from his voyage, "'and my soldiers captured him "'at his mother's cottage by the mill. "'But he refuses to give the necktie to anyone "'except the Princess Fluff.' "'I am the Princess Fluff,' said Meg to the soldier. "'And your necktie is part of my magic cloak, "'so please give it back to me.' The sailor shifted uneasily from one foot to the other. Uh, "'My mother told me,' he said finally, "'that King Bud would give me fifty gold pieces for it, "'and the Queen of Ix would give me another fifty gold pieces, "'and that your highness would give me fifty neckties.' "'That's all true,' returned Fluff. "'So here are the fifty neckties.' Tillydib, the Lord High Purse-Bearer, counted out fifty gold pieces— and Zixie's treasurer counted out another fifty, and all were given to the sailor-man. Then the miller's son unfastened the necktie from around his collar and handed it to Fluff. During the murmur of satisfaction that followed, the girl unlocked her silver chest, which Jicky had brought, and drew out the magic cloak. Lifting the skirt of the garment, she attempted to fit the sailor's necktie into place where it should go. And then, while everyone looked on with breathless interest, the girl lifted a white face to the sailor man and exclaimed, This is not the necktie your mother gave you. For a moment there was silence, while the assemblage glared angrily upon the sailor. Then the king rose from his seat and demanded, Are you sure, Fluff? Are you sure of that? Of course I am. It's neither the shape nor the color of the missing patch. Bud turned to the now trembling sailor. "'Why have you tried to deceive us?' he asked sternly. "'Oh, your majesty,' returned the man, wringing his hands miserably, "'I lost that necktie in a gale at sea, for I knew nothing of its value, and when I came home my mother told me of all the gold you had offered for its return, and advised me to deceive you by wearing another necktie. She said you would never know the difference.' 
"'Your mother is a foolish woman as well as dishonest,' answered Bod. "'And you shall both be severely punished. "'Telly Deb,' he continued, addressing the Lord High Executioner, "'take this man to prison and see that he is fed on bread and water until further orders.' "'Please do not do that,' exclaimed a sweet voice near the king, "'and then all looked up to see the beautiful Lulia, Queen of the Fairies, standing beside the throne.' Chapter 25 The Fairy Queen Every eye was now fixed upon the exquisite form of the Fairy Queen, which shed a glorious radiance throughout the room, and filled every heart with an awe and admiration not unmingled with fear. The magic cloak was woven by my band, said the Fairy, speaking so distinctly that all could hear the words and our object was to bring relief to suffering mortals, not to add to their worries. Some good the cloak has accomplished, I am sure, but also has it been used foolishly, and to no serious purpose. Therefore I, who gave the cloak, shall now take it away. The good that has been done shall remain, but the foolish wishes granted shall now be cancelled, with these words she turned and lightly lifted the shimmering magic garment from the lap of the princess. "'One moment, please,' cried Bud eagerly. "'Can I not have a wish? I waited until I could wish wisely, you know, and then the cloak wouldn't work.' With a smile, Lulia threw the cloak over the boy's shoulders. "'Wish,' she said. "'I wish,' announced Bud gravely, "'that I may become... The best king that Noland has ever had. Your wish is granted, returned the fairy sweetly, and it shall be the last wish fulfilled through the magic cloak. But now Zixi rushed forward and threw herself upon her knees before the fairy. Oh, your majesty, she began eagerly, but Lulia instantly silenced her with an abrupt gesture. Plead not with me, Queen of Ix said the dainty immortal, drawing back from Zixi's prostrate form. You know that we fairies do not approve of witchcraft. However long your arts may permit you to live, you must always beware of a mirror. Zixi gave a sob and buried her pretty face in her hands. It was Fluff whose tender heart prompted her to raise the witch queen and try to comfort her. For a moment all present had looked at Zixi. When their eyes again sought the form of the fairy queen, Lulia had vanished, and with her disappeared forever from Noland the magic cloak. Some important changes had been wrought through the visit of the fairy. Jicky's six servants were gone to the old valet's great delight. The ten-foot general had shrunk into six feet in height, Lulia having generously refrained from reducing old Tollydob to his former short stature. Ruffles, to the grief of the Lord High Steward, could no longer talk, but Tallydab comforted himself with the knowledge that his dog could at least understand every word addressed to him. The Lord High Executioner found he could no longer reach farther than other men, but the royal purse of old Tillydib remained ever filled, which assured the future prosperity of the kingdom of Noland. As for Zixi, 
she soon became reconciled to her fate and returned to Ix to govern her country with her former liberality and justice. The last wish granted by the magic cloak was doubtless the most beneficial and far-reaching of all, for King Bard ruled many years with exceeding wisdom and gentleness and was greatly beloved by each and every one of his admiring subjects. The cheerfulness and sweet disposition of Princess Fluff became renowned throughout the world, and when she grew to womanhood, many brave and handsome princes from other countries came to Knoll to sue for her heart and hand. One of these she married and reigned as queen of a great nation afterwards for many years, winning quite as much love and respect from her people as his loyal subjects bestowed upon her famous brother, King Bud of Noland. The End We hope that you have enjoyed our presentation of Queen Zixie of Ix, or the Magic Cloak, by L. Frank Baum. The story was read by James Campanella, directed by Sven Ellenson, engineered by Rock McKellen, produced by Arthur Guthrie Jr., podcast by John Smalley, incidental music provided by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra, performance copyright 2006 by Uvula Audio, all rights reserved. For other Uvula Audio titles, please go to our website at www.uvulaaudio.com. We thank you. <laughs>